I just got my... I'm going to eat on this episode. <laughs> oh, buddy, you're flirting with disaster already, right from the jump. It is the main too. I can do it. I can if do it without... If we lose 10 subscriptions to misophonia again. <laughs> I, I can do it without pissing without people spanking. off. I can do it. I guarantee it. Just trust me. Dude, I can't. But you're eating, like, something crunchy, man. It's yeah. like It's like when astronauts have to, like, dock up a fuel like a refueling tank with their space station. It's like, just trust me, I can do this. (laughs) I got this. I got this. Stop fucking questioning my (laughs) professionalism. Oh, shit, yo. I'm eating almonds. Almonds? What's the difference in a a raw almond and your standard almond? Aren't almonds always raw? Don't you always eat them The difference is that I'm highly allergic to raw almonds. There's a new twist. We'll see if I die before the end of this episode. So you're trying to see what anaphylaxis feels like. Uh-huh. I know what it feels like, the... but I like that. I like, yeah, you like that. that that's your kink? Shop. You like that impending sense of doom and uh, your organs and mm. shut down? Failing yeah. on you? Yeah. That's good Interesting stuff. Interesting twist indeed. I was just getting my flu shot and... um. The guy was, like, asking me what I do, and I was like, I have a podcast, and he was like, oh, I love podcasts. I listen to podcasts all the time. I was at the pharmacy. He was like, I I listen to a lot of pharmacy podcasts. I was like, whoa. I was like, what the fuck? Pharmacy podcasts? Yeah, I have found a chink in the armor of the healthcare system. Wow, slurs already. Goddamn, son. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) I'm in anaphylactic shock. That's what happens. I get racist when I... Go into anaphylactic. You, you start throwing out slurs. Yeah, I found. Okay, then I'll say gap. I found a gap in the armor of the healthcare system. There's like a whole genre of pharmacy podcasts devoted to how inept doctors are and how they're constantly prescribing the wrong drugs. Okay, so this is like the true crime of like the healthcare industry, the true crime podcast of the healthcare industry. Mm-hmm. Exposing yeah. shit. Exposing shit. Yeah. Okay. I okay. feel like doctors only prescribe like Z packs, though. <laughs> I think maybe that's like, it. Like if you were to look at a doctor's stats, like eighty-five percent of their prescriptions are going to be for zithromycin. Mm. What's zithromycin? It's just antibiotic. No. It's like a Z pack. It's like what you get for like upper respiratory infection and shit. Okay. Um. Maybe that's. I don't know. I have not. And had it, I literally just came straight from there, so I have not had a chance to listen to the pharmacy podcast. But I, like this dude was like, I just do a lot of data entry, and listen to pharmacy podcasts. I was like, dude, your life sounds dope. <laughs> he was like, I'm about to kill myself. <laughs> <laughs> just went to the gut store to pick up. Between me and you, not going well. Yeah. <laughs> After this, I will be gone. <laughs> <laughs> Today's my last day at this job. On this earth, you're the actually. last person I'm going to ever speak to. <laughs> I have a plan and everything. And Terrence goes, no, no, no. And then just he just brings a gun up from behind the counter and just domes himself in front of Terrence. That's, it's like, that's why I'm eating raw almonds. Because I... <laughs> Terrence just, does, just calmly walks to the self-checkout and buys his raw almonds and walks out. <laughs> Like, what did that what did that raw almond guy say to that guy? <laughs> well, I'm saying we can exploit this 
gap. We can exploit mm. this division in healthcare between the pharmacists and the doctors. Yeah. It makes sense. The pharmacists probably know a lot more about drugs than doctors. And I feel like at least like some of the pharmacists that I've known have always been willing to like, I mean, either for like recreational purposes or if you ask someone actually needs like medicine, they're just willing to just give it out, you know? Yeah. Well, particularly in Thailand. <laughs> particularly. In why Thailand. is, why is yeah. what's Thailand known for? I mean, I just have friends that yeah, they say in, you know, certain pharmacies in certain countries, which is, you could skip the middleman, which is the doctor mm. and just go straight to the pharmacy and get makes, Xanax or whatever. I mean, it makes sense. All Medicare, uh, all healthcare now is just palliative, throwing drugs yeah. at the problem. Like I, me and Tom were just talking about this. I wonder if they talk about the over prescription of Adderall on mm. uh, these pharmacy podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, or the like opioid epidemic, man. Well, I was thinking about that. It's a weird thing. Obviously, we're in a period where they're over-prescribing Adderall, but there's no, like, insane moral panic about it in the way there was about Oxycontin or painkillers. But, like, a lot of people wake up every day and take military-grade amphetamines and just, like... I'm, Literally look, just to function through life, man. Yeah, no no shade. I... I whatever. But uh, mm. I'm just saying, it's it's definitely to the point where I feel like they're just throwing amphetamines at people to make them more productive to make yeah. them more productive workers and I maybe think make them numb too yeah there's a vogue that's what me and terrence were talking about it's like and i'm not knocking this in in a lot of ways it's cool but like you know like there's a, a whole entire a whole ass coffee culture even mm. hell even cocaine has gained some more mainstream <laughs> you know what i mean it, 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 yeah. it's like everything that's geared to wire you up is like you can get that at the ready but by god try to get a xanax and you have to like shop around <laughs> <laughs> go around a block a few times i'm yeah, trying to yeah. just i'm trying to wind down a little bit you know what i mean yeah, yeah. i'm too productive i'm not productive enough man yeah yeah, <laughs> Too much I like that brief pause to reflect on. I'm not productive at all, man. <laughs> he just kind of drifted away for a second. Look aimlessly at the ground. Mm. I just saw an interesting article in the Washington Post that I thought had some interesting conclusions. It's uh, the Washington Post: the most common restaurant cuisine in every state in a chain restaurant mystery. Um, apparently places that support Donald Trump also tend to have the most franchise foods, but like they were trying to figure out why this was the case, but apparently the places with the most franchise foods also have the most drivers. So it's like, okay, it's more driving, more amenable to like reactionary politics. Then again, though, I don't even know how you describe reactionary politics, because I guess you could say a large part of what is considered liberal democratic politics is also reactionary so. reactionary also too like i'm thinking about states like california and new york that are just like i mean they just have chain franchises like all over the fucking state but those states are blue states so like i don't get the correlation right you know i get like franchises and like cars because i mean you know right they make all that shit and like you have to have a car to get to it but yeah i mean I want to like drill down into the specific franchises. Like, does a area that has more Olive Gardens per Waffle capita? Houses. Yeah, it's like a Waffle House belt. Yeah, right. Is that more? 
likely. I always be... think it's funny when friends from up north come and they want to go to a Waffle House. And it, it just, I've just never conceived of a place that doesn't have a Waffle House. You know. <laughs> mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, I. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I guess we don't have Jolly Bees down here, which is a crime. What is Jolly Bees? Never even heard Shout of Shout out to my Panoy, uh, Panay friends and people up there. Filipino, fast food. Mm. My mm. friend Melanie Venerashan talked about it for years, and I never thought anything about it until they started popping up in New York. But I'd like to in go New try York, that really? fried chicken and spaghetti. Oh, shit, man. Damn. Yeah. That sounds good as fuck, man. Hell yeah. Shit, dude. Nah, in New York, you know what I was just thinking about? Uh, in New York, you have all these, like, you have Kentucky fried chicken, a Kennedy fried chicken, of course, but uh, there's this Obama fried chicken, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Actually, I'm sure there are several of them in Brooklyn. Yeah, what's... But, uh, I, I need to know the political... <laughs> it would be funny if... Actually, this probably is the case. It probably <laughs> goes... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. You think that there's yeah. more liberals in that area than conservatives? Probably. Probably. Yeah. 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 You would have opened up like Obama fried chicken on Staten Island or something. It's true. I don't know. You'd be surprised. I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I feel like, yeah. Is that? I just imagine that's where like Zenny Jardin and uh, that woman that said black Twitter ain't having no Bernie <laughs> eat exclusively. <laughs> wait, wait. Speaking of Zenny Jardin, I need to find that tweet. It's, oh, yeah, here we go. My fellow whites, do not initiate conversations with black people about Kanye West this week, and do not share your opinion on his behavior. This has been a public service announcement for my people, who suffer from the malady of believing everything is about them. Light supremacy. <laughs> was that before or after the Death Con 3 comments? <laughs> I think that was after. Uh, okay. Uh, well, someone... Someone responded to that tweet. They said, well, it looks like I have to cancel my Kanye West fan club meeting. Thanks for the heads up. And Zinni <laughs> responded, you're allowed to still believe some of his tunes are bangas. Yo, what is wrong with her? Man, how are you trying to coach? How are you trying to coach people on like how to talk to black people while speaking ebotics, man? Like, well, dog. But not only ebotics, but like lady. talking like Dizzy Rascal. Like you're a fucking uh, UK, uh, you know. Yeah, what, which, what do they UK call UK rapper? rap? Uh, drill? Is that not drill? Drum? Not grime. Uh, grime. Yeah, grime, like you're a yeah, UK yeah, grime yeah. artist. <laughs> so, Kathy Griffin responded, "I get what you're saying. Duh, Jesus. Some of these responses are why I am leaving Twitter, and whether I like it or not, I'm switching to TikTok. In the le- in the lesser of two evils argument." It seems to be. I don't know, maybe 10% less toxic? I'll take it. And Zinni said, love you, woman. <laughs> that is so bleak. <laughs> that is such a bleak exchange. I love that. Uh, I didn't Kathy Griffin to... get... Go, go ahead, Tom. No, 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 you go ahead. No, I was saying, didn't Kathy Griffin get canceled for uh, for uh, uh, having like Trump's head, like fake severed head or some shit like that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was her. Yeah. Yeah. I was listening to Danny Brown on a podcast a week, and he was talking about trying to smash Kathy Griffin and getting cucked by ASAP Rocky. <laughs> <laughs> that sucks. Oh, shit, dude. I mean, you know. Wait, so ASAP Rocky? Rocky? He's gorgeous. ASAP Rocky fucked Kathy Griffin? No, no, but she was not interested in Danny Brown. She was all over ASAP Rocky. She was all over ASAP. Well, yeah, damn. damn son. Some guys got it all. You know, if there's a note, they can sing it. If there's a beat, they can dance to it, you know? <laughs> Including Drake. 
Including Drake, who has an impeccable Jamaican accent, I'm told. As a Jamaican, I agree. 10 out of 10. Yeah. <laughs> How does it pass? <laughs> 10 out of 10 beef patties. Chad Hanks. <laughs> Chad Hanks, actually. Yo. <laughs> <laughs> the episode of Atlanta. <laughs> actually, the episode of Atlanta, was he doing a Trinity Daddy accent, or was he just being a regular white guy? I can't remember. I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, shit. Well... Today's episode, we are here to atone. We're here to ask for forgiveness from our white allies, like Jenny. And, uh, but at, but at the same time, like, is Zinni right? Should we talk about Kanye? Or, like, should we? But Aaron is not white. So, Aaron, you can talk about I, Kanye. I can talk about Kanye. How about you do How that? How about me and Terrence sit our white asses down and listen? <laughs> I'm free to talk about Kanye for an <laughs> hour. Just talk about Kanye. Sit your white ass down. <laughs> Make Aaron sweat. Every once in a while, we'll chime in with a. <laughs> well, you know, Aaron, you can't rule it out. Yeah. <laughs> Just talk himself into ver- dig various holes for himself and feel really Trying to apologize anxious. for Kanye, but not apologize for Kanye. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the his comments about kinetic energy communities? <laughs> what? He he um, told Carlson about his plans to create quote unquote kinetic energy communities built with free energy, a technology not currently available to human beings. Would you live in the kinetic energy community if there was free yeah. energy? Hell yeah. Yeah. Last th- last th- thing I heard is he he uh, he was going to take like some land from Young Thug and make Slime City, which was going to be like an intentional living community based on the precepts of uh, Dr. Sebi and some black Israelite teachings. Oh, God damn, son. And it was going to be in Atlanta, right? In Atlanta, yeah. Mm. Shit, man. <laughs> I will live there. <laughs> I mean, you could knock the Dr. Sebi diet all you want to, but it's got to be way better for you than whatever the shit we're doing now. <laughs> he Is he proposing to, like, buy... A community? I think this is the future. Like, billionaires just buying communities and redeveloping them. Well, a friend of the show, Amanda Burroughs, sent me a article from, let's see, an, an App State graduate in 2012 who wrote their dissertation. This is literally the dissertation. Mm-hmm. Dear Johnny Depp, would you please buy the state of West Virginia? Autoethnography of an Appalachian woman. The, the whole dissertation is literally a case for Johnny Depp buying West Virginia. And it cites precedents. Like, apparently, Kim Basinger bought a community in Georgia. Really? Yeah. Where in Georgia? Ba- Bra- Brasselton? Brazelton? Oh I, oh, I know where that is. I've fucking well, been there before. Kim Basinger owns it, bro. God damn, dude. I'm about to hit on my ex and damn. That, uh... Eminem's mom, an eight mile long. <laughs> Old your town. Damn. Old your hometown. Wait, so wait, hold up. How much so when you talk about buying a state, I mean West Virginia is like relatively, I guess, small. Like how much does it cost? How much are we talking? <laughs> well <laughs> when it still had coal. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> we're shit now though. Yeah. yeah. Now maybe a little less. Yeah. What the fuck? This thing is so insane. Wait, does it really go in depth as to how, like, does it, like, uh... Yeah. 
like apportion the finances of Virginia or like the it's, assets of Virgi- of West Virginia. I guess she wound up writing a book off of it. Um, she, why shouldn't Johnny Depp, being the genius, celebrated, wealthy actor that he is, buy West Virginia? I've also included a discussion about the impact popular actors, actresses, and musicians have upon residents of Appalachia in live performance or through movies and television. Listen to this. For example, I recalled the sorrow of Mama when Jane Mansfield died in a car wreck, her head severed from her neck while her children slept in the back seat. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This got accepted. Dude, you can do this as... This got accepted as a... Uh... Um, that... It, this... This is blowing my mind on a very, very deep level here. This is kind of connected to that uh, we need a monarchy, that Jason Howard thing about visiting the Queen's funeral and stuff. Like, (laughs) we just need... There's some people that just desire to be lorded over by people that have a lot of money and notoriety and stature or whatever. And I'll never understand that for the life of me because I can enjoy your stuff, but at the end of the day, I kind of want you to die. Yeah, yeah. Leave me fuck alone. This is so absolutely bizarre. So wait, how much would it cost? How much would it cost uh, Johnny Depp to buy West Virginia? I don't know. I need to find the whole... Apparently, it's very popular. You gotta put it too long, didn't read. Wait, 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 wait. So they're like... Okay, two things, two holes in this. This is funny. This is like an academic thing because two holes in this. Johnny Depp... Number one is notoriously not good with money. Like he's the guy that's like has to do projects to like re up because he like goes broke and spends his fortune like a drunk sailor. Yeah. And then the other thing is I don't know if you've been paying attention to what's been going on, on the TV the last two years, but uh, <laughs> divorce and particularly high profile ones not cheap. Probably dealt with Johnny Depp to be the one to buy West Virginia. Not, well, not right now. Yeah, this was written in 2012. Uh, oh, okay. Um, uh, before the yeah, it'd be funny if she added well, like I a, mean, he'd updated still it. like yeah, he still has some troubling behavior even back then. But did y'all see the the most recent pictures of him like looking like Jimmy Savile? Dude, I oh, thought that God. I thought that was a role for a movie that he was playing. I thought he had makeup on for a role for a movie. No, man. my man is uh, yeah, looking like fucking uh. I don't even know, man. Mickey Rourke in, like, Sin City or some shit. I love this. <laughs> Will you set the people who are living there safely aside, perhaps on a hillside in Kentucky, pick up West Virginia by its southern fringe, and shake it until the seeds of the trees are scattered and the waters are filtered clean, and then put the people back? How, is this, like, poetry? Is, I mean, I, can, I guess I could see how this could be, like, a poetry. <laughs> is this, like, cleanse yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka? Hillbillies? <laughs> <laughs> This is fucking crazy. Man. I, I'm just, I gotta tell you, I'm just amazed that there's somebody out there with a brain that works that way. Yeah, like, how did you even come up with this, man? Yeah, I I need to... This is simultaneous, this is like not a dumb person, but simultaneously the dumbest idea I've ever heard. Yeah, just like, applicate, like, just a dumb idea, man. I want to find the whole thing. Applying like all of your uh, all of what you've learned in school, your years of schooling, the hard study you've done, it did into turn, this. Yeah, she did turn it into a book. Yeah, and then your analysis: Johnny Depp should buy West Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> like all these years in the academy to get a PhD, and the thing that you're offering the world is Johnny Depp 
should buy West Virginia. <laughs> God damn it. I mean, it is the natural progression of things. Like we with all these intractable problems. Yeah, just turn it over. Just turn it over. To, yeah, like you said, Tom, to a benevolent overlord. They'll take care of it for you. The yeah. the the uh masterful responsible you know, estate of Johnny Depp will take care of West Virginia. I loved him in Sweeney Todd. He'll bring Cole back. <laughs> What's a what was that thing? Noblesse oblige or whatever. Yeah, like the fact that nobles had the obligation. Like that's what. Yeah, just turn it over to like the Johnny Depps and the uh, Kim Bassingers. And oh fuck, I found it! I found it! I found it! Hell yeah! The Young Thugs. This thing is so long. I want to read the whole thing. I just want to know a price tag, man. I want to know how far away I am from owning West Virginia. There's a man under that mountain. <clears throat> well, maybe it's it is it is a creative writing prompt, or a, or I'm sorry, like a creative writing endeavor. Mm. Kind of, it looks like. Okay, that's. <clears throat> but at the same maybe. Time, go ahead. Well, I mean, just say maybe it's one of those like ninth dimensional chess things we don't really understand. You know. Uh huh. Maybe it's like an allegory for critiquing what we're saying instead of right. an earnest mm. yeah mm-hmm. you can't you can't leave that out and also if you did promote ideas like this that's always a good escape parachute thing no you see what i was doing was <laughs> what i really meant was yeah i've employed that a time or two on this show <laughs> yeah oh shit uh well when I said all my some of my favorite lungs are black, what I really meant was <laughs> what I really meant was <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> uh, oh, uh, well, let's see what else is in the news. Uh, J.D. Vance said that if we allow pot to be legalized, people are going to start beating up elderly people. Yeah, start uh, 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 beating elderly women with guns yeah gun said, them over the head yeah a lot of the times look at the underlying charge it wasn't just that they smoked a joint it's that they smoked a joint and then beat an elderly woman over the head with a pistol <laughs> Bro, this this is a man that would probably actively do the same to his mother not high not high yeah just <laughs> right, sober right. as a judge just in the name of conservatism <laughs> This man allowed a movie to be made that made a mockery of his mom's addiction problem in the most awful format you could imagine. And he's, and he's, he's mad at somebody, yeah. Um, so there's that. I, there is also, right now, a full-blown moral panic about fentanyl. I mean, it's obviously been building for a while, mm-hmm. but I've kind of I've been kind of like wondering like what the end game is or why you know as opposed to like we were saying earlier like Adderall over prescription or, or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's the latest on the fentanyl beat. Well, so there is the rainbow colored fentanyl like that mm-hmm. they were saying was going to be handed out Halloween. Yeah, like Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, but it kind of all became clear this week when a conservative group let's see run by former top trump officials proposed a formal u.s declaration of war on mexican cartels 
and a mechanism to shut down legal ports of entry. I mean, like... That's a Breaking Bad shit? Yeah, <laughs> fentanyl has become the mechanism through which they now want to crack down on the border. Yeah. Like, Well, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. I saw, like, some, like, veteran tags on a car the other day that was, like, veteran of the war on terror. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, that, that'd be so tight to, like... I, I have, like, veteran of the war on coal tags uh-huh. on my car. Like... Whatever idea you spent your life fighting, like you get yeah. veteran tags for it. it. Veteran of the war on fentanyl. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. So this is just the latest frontier: the war on uh, the Sinaloas or whoever. Mm. What? But it feels so retro. Like the cartel yes. thing was big, like ten, fifteen years ago. It's it's come back. Well, who's under... the face now that El Chapo's got pinched? I don't know. I I did see an article about El Chapo basically say, saying from prison that, well, I mean, this isn't even a conspiracy theory. This is literally proven. Just just that, like, what was going on with the cartels in the late 2000s and 2010s, and I'm not an expert, but it was done in coordination with high-level offic- high officials in the DEA and in the equivalent of the DEA in Mexico. Uh the drug war is basically just a front for actual drug distribution. Yeah, absolutely. Essentially. Absolutely. Um, yeah. But, like, so there was this op-ed in Newsweek this week about how Arizona is about to declare a state of invasion. And What? And Not a state of emergency, but What's state that mean, invasion? Exactly. It means, like, they're going to send their own National Guard basically down to the border to fight... Invade Mexico? (laughs) Yeah, right. Fight cartels that don't even really exist. So what what are they going to do? Just, like, like shoot the first guys they see in, like, fake Versace shirts or shit? Like, what? (laughs) Yeah. I think that they're using it as an excuse to basically murder anybody who comes over the border i think they're basically using it as a cover for just genocide essentially yeah yeah because this thing was calling for texas to do the same to declare a state of invasion so what is it what is the narrative i guess that immigrants or migrants are coming and bringing fentanyl with them right into our country that was the that was the thing like there was an interview with this woman going around on twitter of her saying like they're bringing it over the border and they're gonna be handing it out at halloween and like hey you imagine a bunch of cartel guys just setting up trick-or-treat stations along the border <laughs> <laughs> oh, i just posted up at the rio grande just just handing out that rainbow y'all y'all remember like in the 90s when they said that uh beware uh taking your kids trick-or-treating because people will put like razor blades and jolly ranchers and shit like that you know yeah and like of course it's like a fucking urban myth and fake shit but this feels similar man hmm. like well, look out for rainbow fentanyl in your listen, kids goodie bags. If, if the ku klux klan uh if they enjoyed the all that comes with civic life in america in the 50s i don't see why the sinaloas can't do trick-or-treating <laughs> That's that's that, that ain't even lateral move in my opinion. That's an upgrade. <laughs> well, oh, it's shit. it's even weirder because like the Ku Klux Klan actively wished for the overthrowing of the United States government. 
you know, yes. for like an installation of a white supremacist one. Like the cartels don't have any real political project, really. They're just, <laughs> just trying to get that money, making yeah. money moves, dog. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like all those guys want to do is like take Instagram pictures with them and like models, you know, and shit like that. Like holding AK forty sevens on the hood of a Lamborghini Lago. Yeah, that's all they they all they want is just to show the drip off to the world. And, you know, maybe not try to get their head cut off in the process, but in all honesty, that's a, it's not the worst political project ever. <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I know there's like a lot of people murdered and so forth over that, but, you know. That being said. That being said, it's <laughs> like those guys, those guys are, you know, again, like chimney sweeps or. I don't have any agenda, man. Like. Do they really? They exist, sure, but not like you all think they exist. Did did did, did Pablo Escobar? Is it just Narcos the show, or did he really have like political, uh, you know, what I'm saying like aspirations and shit? Well, he offered to pay off Colombia's national debt if they named him uh, president, like suspended the constitution, naming president. Should have done it. So in a way, he did have a political problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's this there's this guy named Oswaldo Zavala who wrote a book called The Cartels Do Not Exist and he's interviewed in the Nation and they asked him is your title just a provocation do you really believe that cartels don't exist he said I really do believe that it's not to say that drug traffickers aren't real or that the violence isn't real of course they are but that our understanding of all that has been filtered through what the National Autonomous University of Mexico sociologist Luis Historico called the nar- narco matrix. This is the idea that drug traffickers are a separate entity from the government and that they've amassed so much power that they pose a threat to the state. That's completely wrong. Traffickers have never really had any say in political life in Mexico because they've always been support- subordinate to the state. But we don't get that. Like when you watch Sicarios or something, you 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 think that the cartels have penetrated the highest levels of government. Exactly. Right. Exactly. When really, President Nieto could have any of those guys clipped in a half a second if he. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's such a good point. They always make it seem like the cartels are some parallel, like you know, like force, you know, competing with the government. It's like, nah, man. You're in bed with that shit. One hundred percent. Well, no, I mean, you so. have to be with that much money and resources, man. You'd have to be. Well, yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> the same thing with Al Qaeda too. Like Al Qaeda doesn't like exist, really. You right. know what I mean? It's like right. it's like this is like an American tactic to make people like. Same thing with like something stupid like Satanism. Mm. You know what I mean? Like Church of Satan is not a factor in political life or anything. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, they, but there life. has to be some boogeyman, and it's intensified if it's like made out to be like a, a shadowy cabal. Yeah. Well, in the case of the cartels and Al Qaeda, or Al Qaeda specifically. Al Qaeda was a creation of the CIA to the extent that it even existed. But, but like the ca- case of cartels and a lot of these drug trafficking networks, they are like nexuses for intelligence activities, like the CIA. And so, yeah, they don't they don't exist. Yeah, they don't exist as like autonomous units just in the world free floating doing what they're doing like they're operating at the behest of the mexican government the united states government like yeah they're not like ngos or something man 
Hey, <laughs> I have to say, Kurt Sutter, uh, creator of Sons of Anarchy, got this right when he showed that Danny Trejo and the other cartel guy flipped their CIA badges. That was a, oh, that was a serious <laughs> twist in season five. <laughs> Fuck. Maybe you would watch that show. Goddamn. Uh, so I love I love Danny too. Yeah. My yeah. That, shit they, my shit. That that is um. The fit, I don't know. I think the fentanyl thing is very crazy. I think it's a, uh, you know, obviously it's something that like. Did y'all know that JD Vance has like an opioid, like nonprofit, like an opioid treatment nonprofit that just like eats up money, doesn't like do anything. Jesus fucking Christ, man! I I saw like Tim Ryan, trying to like hit him on that, but I don't know, dude. That that whole race is so fucking. What's going to happen there? I think Tim Ryan's winning, right? Like, he's in the polls, at least. He's in the lead. I don't know. This is from the debate the other night. Ryan clearly anticipated... He kept using this phrase, backseat driver. Tim Ryan did. Uh, Ryan clearly anticipated Vance attacking him on border security and policing. This is, again, this is Ohio. Ohio border security. Border border security. (laughs) The most landlocked, innermost, like, heartland state. Ohio. Ohio. Ohio... I guess, at, like, through Lake Erie shares a border with Canada, right? Yeah, right. we were by Canadian, oh, like, yeah, you're right. Shit. You're right. My bad. Well, maybe that's what, what it, well, maybe I mean, but you're talking about. Yeah, Canadian but you have to border. swim through Lake Erie and hit, like, Cleveland. It's cold as fuck. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's a good point. Folks, they're coming in droves across Lake Erie. <laughs> From where? Canada? Yeah, but by way of, you know, by way, <laughs> by of, way of Lake Erie. <laughs> yeah. um, they made a roundabout way. Yeah, Ryan, a former college football player, used the same turn of phrase three separate times to respond. I don't know why they threw that in there. Yeah, is that a football term? Backseat driving? (laughs) Like what the fuck? Um, he said, "I'm not going to take a backseat to you or anybody else on fentanyl, drugs, or immigration or anything else." Ryan said after Vance criticized Ryan and other Dems for not doing more to block illegal drugs from being smuggled into the country. I am not going to take a backseat to J.D. Vance on law enforcement or anything else like that. Um, In the same response, Ryan attacked Vance for raising money for January 6th defendants. This is ridiculous. I'm not taking a backseat to you. I brought... Damn, I'm dude. in the front. I'm driving. I'm Listen, driving the fentanyl truck. One thing I'm I want driving. you to take away from this goddamn debate is that you're a backseat driver and I'm a front seat driver, pal. I'm in the driver's seat. And right. honestly, in the Midwest, consummate backseat driver is. Yeah. I'm the top. That's like cussing out his mother, man. I'm the top. You're the bottom, JD. Listen, <laughs> let me explain topping. something to you. Perhaps you can understand. <laughs> if we were two gay men, I would be the top and you would be the bottom, motherfucker. <laughs> and you need to understand that. No homo, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. The ba- It says the backseat line sounded familiar because... Senator Sherrod Brown, a fellow Democrat widely viewed as the model for his party to win statewide, says it all the time. I take a backseat to no one on border security, Brown said. Sherrod said that? Yeah, Sherrod, yeah, Brown said that, yeah. Oh, God, I guess that's a... He's a I thought that guy was cool. I think none of them are cool, actually. I used to think he was cool, like, 12 years ago. I was like, wow. I thought he was also, cool until I met the dude at the Clinton Foundation. He's a fucking dweeb. <laughs> also, you know, I'm not going to lie. I, before I knew how he looked, I thought he was black, man. <laughs> 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 People say that about me all the time. 
I've got <laughs> Terrence Ray. Yeah. Uh, oh shit. Yo. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, nobody has said that about me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, man. <laughs> Don't feel left out. What, what's your name? name? Dale? <laughs> Thomas Dale. Yeah. Oh, well, shit. my first, just my first and last name could sounds like it could be a black name, but my full, my full name it immediately reveals how actually redneck what's I am. What's your middle name? Yeah, you G- throw Gentry in there, and you Gentry. instantly go from was was uh, uh, <laughs> name briefly s- briefly signed to uh, briefly signed R and B singer on Murder Inc. to uh, country star. Terrence Gentry. Uh, sorry, my middle name is Chase. So. Yeah, Aaron Chase Thorpe. That's good. That's yeah. solid. That's a rocker's name, man. That's true. Damn. Would you guys go to a Kid Rock Kanye West tour? Imagine how, imagine how baller that would be for an anthropological experiment. Yes. <laughs> yeah, purely for as a, as a journalist. Yes. <laughs> oh shit, man. I they I love this though. I I just love the playbook here. Tim Ryan trying to out. Right, J.D. Vance. Ryan's line that he helped bring in $500 million in funding for Ohio police largely is based on the $250 million from the Federal American Rescue Plan. Uh, I I think what he's... He's claiming that he got half a bill for Ohio police. He's like, I didn't defund the police. (laughs) Yeah. I'm not like those kooky uh, Democrats in New York and California. Right. In fact, I funded that shit. Not funded it. (laughs) They gave him more money. Did you see that commercial uh, where he had a commercial where he has a gun and he's shooting these TVs with like that are uh, uh, displaying ads like against him and shit attack ads. No. And one of the last one, the last TV that he shoots, like first one is like, I don't know, like border security stuff, like ads about that. The next one is like, um, you know, the national debt or something. And the last one is a defund the police saying how he supports that. And he's like, and I definitely don't like want to defund the police and like shoots the TV or some shit like that, man. (laughs) And then attempt to, I guess, try to outright uh, uh, J.D. Vance. That's like a very postmodern thing. Yeah, he's like destroying the television. It's like, that is like a 90s thing. Like, it's it's a very right. Yeah, shoot your TV. Yeah, it's like some. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty sure Marjorie Taylor Greene did that, man. She did. What? Sure what's did. with the fucking TV? Like, no. Is TV back? I'm just gonna get. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna call Direct TV and say, "Listen, I'd like to sign up on new service. I'm cutting the cord cutting. Mm. I'm going back. I need to be wired again, man. I need around the clock. Yeah. You need the commercials. My uh-huh. cousin, listen. You know, I thought the black box was gone. Uh-huh. You the black box. Yeah, yeah. I've got all those box. channels. Yeah. yeah, I don't want to dry snitch here, but my cousin, I won't say which one, <laughs> brought it back, and he he came out and <laughs> the other day. We were watching the UK football game. He goes, "Let me ask you a question." I said, "You ever came home from work at four thirty in the afternoon and wanted to watch something from season six of Columbo?" <laughs> <laughs> he said. I said, you son of a bitch. I said, what TV shows do you have? He said, probably be easier to tell you which ones I don't have. And all day, I would just hit him with this. I'd be like, wings? He'd roll his eyes at me. He said, buddy. <laughs> and I thought I had him stumped with Remington Steel, and he just immediately went to it and then went. 
God damn. Everything. Damn, son. Damn. Oh, shit. Well, did we adhere to to Zinni Jardine's admonishment, to her warning? My fellow whites, do not initiate conversations with black people about Kanye West this week. Do not share your opinion on his behavior. This has been a PSA for my people who suffer from the malady of relieving everything is about them. Apparently, y'all are not allies because you talked about it with me. So. Oh, damn. Fuck. Oh, I, damn. I, a direct violation of Zinni Jardin's maxim. Oh, damn. <laughs> we need, it sounds like we need to be gangster checked <laughs> <laughs> for that behavior. Somebody, uh, somebody call Nancy Pelosi. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> that was the maybe the worst, and a long line of courage tweets maybe the worst. What what did she what did she say? The what set what set you in that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah that well that, that was the one of her one of her replies. Jesus, man. what was it? She said that Snoop. She said something like Snoop Dogg knows what Pelosi's doing to Trump is gangster checking him. <laughs> it hurts me to even repeat it. I, I, I refuse bad. to believe that woman is real, man. I feel like she's just a composite. Oh, I used to think so. People. I used to think it was a bot. Like I used to think that account was a bot. But then, like, it dropped that she was like in close proximity to the Epstein shit at the MIT Media Lab. What? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That is right. Oh shit! Of course, she's yeah. real. Before that, I saw no evidence to believe she existed. In fact, much to refute it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Well, that's about all I got for this week. You guys have anything else you want to throw in the pile? Nah. I hope uh, Biden makes weed legal. Yeah, Dang we didn't Brandon. talk about that. I forgot Dang about Brandon. that. Brandon. I mean, that's uh, probably not happening, right? No, nah, it shouldn't happen. Okay. That shouldn't happen. Uh, well, I mean, it's just like student loan thing. Everybody got hot and bothered about that. Now that's been walked back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Any, anything that seems like it could be good is going to have 100 qualifiers. That's the other thing. 100 means-tested qualifiers. A month before the election, too, man. Come on. Right. Yeah. Now's the time you got to get me again. No, no, no. Not yeah, are again. you guys? Are y'all voting? You almost had me. Are y'all voting? <laughs> I, I might. I might pick up some Chinese food later. So I think the early voting is open. So I might, if it's like open on the way back, maybe. God. If I'm high enough and don't mind staying in line, or whatever. I think I'm gonna not vote. I think I think <laughs> I'm gonna do it. I think I'm not voting. It's like. It's like this exciting thing that's up like on the horizon. I'm like, do I want to do it? Do I want to not vote? Am I going to do it? We should make it a tread. First time in your life that you tread. Just, you've, you've said, no, you know what? I'm what this is my day. It will <laughs> it would be. It really would be like the first election in like 10 years that I've been like, no, nah. I, I think I'm. I think I'm good this time. I think I'm good. Yeah. I mean, there's like, then I'm thinking of like, there's Herschel Walker. That guy's pretty fucking insane. I don't like what? Raphael Warren. I call that much, but I probably should. Vote Walker's gonna win anyway, so don't worry about it. It's, yeah, so I don't gotta vote. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The results come in like seven p.m. One <laughs> Walker's win with like fifty-one percent one vote okay. in Lithonia, Stonecrest, Aaron Thorpe. <laughs> Aaron Thorpe. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Aaron Thorpe would have went in the polls and 
punched one in for the reverend, we wouldn't be in this mess. Uh, they come to my door, knock on my door. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> not even been paying attention to the results of it. There was an election? What? Stacey Abrams herself will come and beat your ass. <laughs> I would love to see that. Like, Stacey Abrams just beating Aaron Thorpe's ass. Because I didn't vote for it? Like, you motherfucker. Like, doing that the Robert De Niro, like, tongue hanging out of her yeah. mouth and Goodfellas, like, kicking your ass. Back slapping. <clears throat> Front slap, back slap. You gave us Herschel Walker. Yeah. Damn, man. That guy's scary. I might do this. I, I, You know, I was at a friend's house. It's been several weeks ago. Uh, and one of the Lexington City Council people was there. And I was talking with them. And I said, listen, I'm a single-issue voter. Because I'm one of their constituents. I said, I'm a single-issue voter. And that is, who's going to abolish Lex Park? The parking uh, system in this goddamn town. <laughs> I had just a big belly laugh. Like, I thought like, thought I was joking. And I, like, literally, I was the most dead-eyed. I'd be like, no, really. <laughs> I'm serious. I want them, like, I, this, this, me, this, this here, what I'm doing right now, this is like me dialing it back a little bit. I think it would be morally okay to shoot them all in the head. But <laughs> what I'm suggesting you do is just disband it so we can avoid all that mess. One man's, uh, one man's war against the parking authorities of Lexington, Kentucky. That's it. So I may do the self-righteous thing where I go to the polls and don't vote for anybody but still punch one in. Just so that's, you know, mm. I showed the initiative. Yeah, yeah. Which if I don't vote, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to stay my ass to the house. But yeah, yeah, I might yeah. stay my ass home. I don't have that much initiative. I don't have that much like spite. It, it is about whether the the cost benefit of walking to the polling station. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like the weather. If it's nice outside, if it's not cold, if it's not raining, uh-huh. if I'm high enough, you know. If all the factors fall into place and yeah, somebody yeah. gives me a sucker for being a good boy after I punch one in. Stacey Avers might get one in. Maybe. Yeah. Well, a lot of people I talk to can't vote because they're like former felons. So... I mean, I hang out mostly with former felons. So, being a former felon yourself, of course. Um, yeah, I'm not voting in solidarity with them. So. <laughs> you know, one quick note I want to add on the Kanye thing. This is just my own little personal thing I can put into it. I can add is <clears throat> when little Boosie took him to con- to to task for some of his comments. Which the thing about Boosie is, if he wasn't a homophobe, he would make a ton of sense because he actually yeah. has some very good stances on a lot of things. But then he'll just punctuate it with like you know, gay slurs. And then also there's the thing where he like you know helped his teenage son lose his virginity. But that was weird. Right. What? But what he took him to a strip club? It's Louisiana. It's a different code down there. Anyway. <laughs> I'm joking. Anyway, but Kanye, remember Kanye was like saying, little boosy, like, shut up, da 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 da. I will tell you this from experience that there is no artist on the planet Earth not named Tupac Amaru Shakur that has more unconditional love in prisons than little boosy. Yeah. Like 95% of the requests you get from prison are for little boosy songs, and I'm just going to tell Kanye Omari West today, that's a tree he does not want to bark up. <laughs> Not, he got shooters, man. <laughs> oh, you do not they not, they not afraid to go I'm after Kanye West. They're not afraid to go after Ye. It is true. Yeah. When I did the yeah. radio show, it's all I, I would get requests mostly for Boozy Badass. 
at a certain point when you got the numbers, your 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 money don't really matter that much anymore. <laughs> yeah. That said, give Boozy a nuke. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. God damn. <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, let's tie this one up. Uh, thanks for listening this week, everybody. You can go to patreon.com and support us over there. P A T R E O N.com. Uh, the pharmacist this morning who gave me my flu shot was amazed by the concept of Patreon. He was he was absolutely blown away. He was like, People give you $5 a month to listen to, listen to, you, to talk? you talk? Yep. Do you actually like, go sh- like shield the Patreon in public spaces? <laughs> <laughs> I just sliding the link to the lady that's like a cashier at the grocery store. So might be something in there you like. Five dollars a month. How do you think we got those numbers, man? I'm out here. I'm out here hitting the street, shaking doors. the bushes. IRL. Yeah, I heard canvassing for the trail buildings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. We have a. Uh, we are sitting on a sleeping volcano of Tribillies patrons who will rise up. Yes. Rise up. I said, I'm going to tell people to subscribe to our page. And I said, well, I'm a Baptist, but I'll I'll mm-hmm. come check you out next Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Anyways, patreon.com slash Trouble the Workers Party. Thanks for listening, everybody. Stay tuned after this for an interview with Tyler Jordan of the band The Good Looks. Thanks for listening. Uh, well, welcome, Tyler. Uh, joining us today uh, is Mr. Tyler Jordan. I, I've got a... Uh, an uncle named Rerun that's like, uh, he's got like this encyclopedic knowledge of rock and roll, right? And so he'll be like, uh, you know, uh, Leslie West was the brains, the brains of mountain, you know, or whatever, whatever, whatever. Uh-huh. You know, he's always talking about who the brains is of everything. And so, uh-huh. uh, so we're here today with Mr. Tyler Jordan to, the, well, I won't say I won't say you're the. I don't want to try to break up uh, good looks within five minutes of meeting you, but uh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. you gotta you gotta watch it. There's a lot of egos. You gotta tread <laughs> lightly. A, a lot of egos that much. <laughs> this Tyler Jordan, good looks, is joining us today. They put out a great record this year, bummer year, which is incredible. And it's 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 interesting because uh, when Jacob, your publicist, reached out to us and thought we might be a, a good pairing, I hadn't. Uh, and which makes perfect sense because I'm never up on anything that's cool. I'm always the one that's getting put up on stuff. But uh, yeah, same here. I hadn't I hadn't been initiated into to good look shit, man. But it's an incredible record, and it's like I think it's cool the whole sort of country inflected thing, you know, that y'all do without like you know, sort of like making it parody and like you know putting on nudie suits and everything, which could be cool too, honestly. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. <laughs> but but yeah. well, well, thank you. But it's a cool thing. It's a cool thing, y'all do, man. And uh, wanted to bring you here today, obviously, to uh, to talk about the record a little bit, but also to talk about one of my favorite topics, and that is, of course, the the live nationization of venues and mm. all the ugliness that goes to touring. That I'm sure that you have. Uh, some firsthand sure. experience with so uh sure yeah maybe, I love, we should, I love talking. maybe we should jump off there i mean i think so like a little bit of my background i used to be in booking that's been a number of years ago now mm-hmm. and uh a lot of this stuff was happening then left like live nation buying up venues and all, the, no. all that all that kind of thing and just you were you doing the booking for the club or for the for the for the artist no for the club 
Yeah, for the club. Gotcha. So I worked with a lot of a lot of guys that did booking for the artists and stuff like that. Usually, mm-hmm. um, we had a lot of bands out of Nashville or signed like PGA. I don't know if you know, like a lot of those guys over there that were like signed to Infinity Cat and some of the Nashville mm-hmm. labels in like the mid two thousands. But we had a lot okay. of those guys um, and gals and. Uh, yeah, it was just like, but like, even then I could see the whole sort of landscape of it changing because I was so stupid when I got into it and started working for this club, because I just assumed like, if you were on like a buzzy label that you were like rolling in cash, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. I remember yeah. when Lee Baines and the glory fires who at the time were signed to sub pop came through there and I was like, oh man. And talking to them and it's like, nah, actually, <laughs> actually we <laughs> owe the label money, but, yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah, it's yeah. A, anyway. Like maybe you could just For share. Sure. I don't. I don't know how long Good Looks has been rolling at this point, but like maybe you could share some of those kind of experiences that sort of dispel yeah. the notions of you know how well oh, like, yeah. your favorite buzz bands are doing <laughs> financially. Uh-huh. Well, I'll tell you what. We were gone for for a month. Uh, just we just got back from tour, and um, it, it's this. This was the first time we've been a band for five years. Um, I will say we haven't done a ton of touring. Um, and we changed the name at some point. So, um, but, but this was the first time in five years that we've ever paid ourselves. Um, it's mostly just been a money pit and, um, <laughs> it's like, it's like, so, collecting, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so we were, we were gone for a month away from our jobs and we paid ourselves 250 bucks a guy. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's bleak out there, man. Um, it's hard. It looks, it looks like one thing, you know, you, you assume, certain folks are successful or whatever but it's hard it's hard to find that money man it feels like every step of the way it's like everybody's getting paid except for us it feels like you know you just add, keep adding pieces to the team and stuff and there's more money coming in and it looks good on paper and it's just hard man yeah no it's 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 funny because well it's not funny but i mean it's it's interesting because like how it's I've been out of the game for a while, so maybe you can kind of like sort of update me on how things have been going post COVID with all that kind of stuff. But like, um, and I know this varies like all over the place, but like with that growing sort of, again, what I call the live nationization, it's like, it, for those mm-hmm. who don't know, it's like live nation is bought up like a significant amount of these, like, you know, traditional touring venues all over the country and stuff like that. And so where they used to be sort of, mom and pop ran or or ran by some local person they're usually sort of even if they have that veneer they're usually you know owned by 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 (laughs) (laughs) jay-z by jay-z and co yeah right well well i will say i i don't i don't know that i've got a ton of experience with that side of it i mean before we were mostly playing real small kind of places and sort of you know this sort of mom and pop or diy spaces and and now we're working with a with a booking company and so that that those guys kind of help <clears throat> do most of that that work so i'm not it doesn't i'm not seeing it a lot like firsthand i guess i should say right so like you like you y'all are signed to a booking agent that will like give y'all per diem and all that kind of stuff and like secure your well and the, yeah it, like how they, does that work like, maybe just talk about that a little bit about how sure. it's for a touring musician in terms of like how the finances are broken down mm. yeah so most of the money right now comes in from from playing live i would say all of it um uh so so yeah the the booking company goes out and tries to get guarantees at um at venues and 
um, sometimes they do and sometimes they don't. Sometimes it's a door deal where you get a percentage of the door. Um, but it's uh, that stuff is, yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of like, I don't, like it's hard. To, I, I don't, I'm like, I wonder like, what is too much of the curtain? You know, what, yeah, right, right. <laughs> it's like, uh, also, it's like, uh, uh, I don't want to ask you like, okay, so what's like the bottom dollar you could get a good look for? Yeah, exactly. And also like trying hopefully to secure uh, like a hotel room somewhere if possible, or maybe they've got like a lot of these clubs will have like a, uh, Airbnb or something like connected to them. So they, yeah. they go out and try to find that and mm. try to make sure that we at least get like fed dinner and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, it's, it's just, it's expensive right now. And there's a lot of, I mean, we're paying pretty crazy gas prices and we just bought a new van and, um, you know, we are, we're all in our, we're all in our thirties. And so we are staying in like hotels and trying to <laughs> not do, do the crash on the floor thing anymore yeah i've had, I've <laughs> yeah. had enough of that <laughs> those days yeah. are behind us yeah yeah no that's right so Tyler, another thing that i that i'm kind of interested in and i always anytime we have somebody that's that that does music on here i like to kind of talk about it but like you know streaming is obviously one of those things that's like you know a source of contention it's it you know for uh you know travis scott bruce springsteen it might be the best thing in the world but for you know (laughs) sort of a an uh fledgling touring band you know what i mean is it could be you know not not so lucrative like what do you think if you if somebody were to hand the keys off to tyler jordan to remedy all this what do you think like all that stuff would look, particularly when it involves like the label relationship and stuff like that, in your opinion. Sure. Um, well, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts about it. I don't know if I have a, a solution to it, but I will say, yeah. I think it's bad. I think it's bad for everybody. I mean, I think guys like Travis Scott and Bruce Springsteen or whatever, were probably making better money when they could sell millions of records. I mean, I, yeah. I don't know, but I mean, I feel like that's probably some of what's at play with these guys, like selling their whole catalogs and um, you know, trying to trying to cash out in a way i don't, I don't know but well, that was a good um, segue to my next <laughs> my next question <laughs> but well i will say the that i think I, I think on paper spotify is incredible like access to every song ever is awesome and good mm-hmm. for art you know it's yeah. this really incredible amazing thing and so as a music listener i love the fact that it exists but i mean it's sort of just the structure of capitalism right like every time some cool innovative technology comes along it just it gets wielded in this way that's like horrible and fucks the little guy over you know yeah no no you're you're right and i know we're talking about music but i was just thinking about like amazon you know and like if you're a consumer of amazon prime it's pretty dope to get packages the same day or the next day but then, as you were saying, Tyler, it's those conditions, right, that allow that to happen, you know, exactly. especially the relationship with the artists and the, you know, the label and then the streaming platform like Jay-Z and Travis Scott. Well, Jay-Z has his own shit title. <laughs> yeah. like, actually, does he, though? Who uses that shit, bro? Who listening right now uses title, yo? Come on. <laughs> it's like Paramount Plus, bro. Nobody uses Paramount Plus except for me because I watch Star Trek. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah go ahead tom you had, a, you had a question tom you want to say something no 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 no. keep going though i'm sorry 
No, 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 no. I guess all I want to say, I was like, you know, Travis Scott, like Jay-Z, like, you know, they're fine because, I mean, they're so big and so many people. I mean, I guess I also don't know how that works. Like, this might be a naive question, but like, do like the artists get paid per play? Like for Spotify? Like, how does that work? How do they get compensated? So I, I think the... um I think that like some of the larger artists, which is uh, what Tom was talking about, is is that like some of the larger artists, their labels go out and get them like a chunk of money. You mm-hmm. know, like they, they make some sort of deal where they, they have a better deal than just your average guy. But your your normal person that that just uploads an album to Spotify, I, I can't remember what the actual number is, but it's like, you know, 0. 0.0013 cents per play or, or, or something like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really, really low. I know that. I, I did the math on it once and I, it comes out to like, if you get a million plays on a song, I think you get paid like 3000 something dollars. Jeez, man. Yeah. <laughs> God damn, yo. Yeah. It's, it's, it's rough. And, um, and you know, for a band like us and, and most bands, I would imagine like, we, you know, we have a deal with the label. And so then, um, like basically every label deal is just like a loan with connections mm. essentially like you you get some amount of money from the label and to make the record and to help promote the record because like nobody has like thirty thousand dollars just sitting around that's a musician usually unless they got mom and dad money or, or whatever and right. um yeah. but so you get some amount of money from from the label and then until you pay that money back uh essentially like the label just you know gets everything um yeah it's not like in publishing like i know i know that like a lot of book deals like you don't really have to pay the advance back that's just kind of uh part of it but in music it is and i've i've heard from from friends that have had bad experiences with labels where like you know they'll fly you out and wine and dine you or whatever and then before you know mm-hmm. it like when that bill comes due and payable like all those meals and all the <laughs> right. that you thought was just their large guests yeah. is actually you have to pay that back too <laughs> yeah you're you're like paying for their office supplies and shit like right. some of the larger <laughs> right. the larger deals but the thing about the publishing though the the dark side of that is that when usually those publishing deals the reason why you don't have to pay the advance back is because they own a piece of that you know, publishing right forever. Right, so right, it's yeah. like, it's like, they, yeah, that's, that's also pretty, like you're giving up um, a lot of publishing deals. You're giving up half of, of the publishing to the, the publisher for the, till the end of time. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> well, so, like, like, so, and, and you, you, you kind of alluded to this too, Tyler. It's like, you, you see, like, I know, I think Paul Simon and Bob Dylan and hell, even Motley Crue <laughs> sold their, their catalogs recently for like buku money like do That's you right. think that so let's say me and you are are uh insanely wealthy uh vc guys which i would not wish on anybody but let's say uh-huh. we were and we wanted we wanted to own uh dr feelgood in perpetuity and we went to <laughs> and we said to him hey listen we're gonna give you a quarter of a billion dollars for the for your your catalog essentially like do you think what do you think is is behind that really do you think it's a matter of like since streaming is kind of dominant and doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere they that they can just sort of eat off of that in perpetuity like but that that even like i don't know even for a band like motley crew that seems like an exorbitant amount of money you know mm. yeah 
I don't I don't really know what's what's driving it totally. I, I probably need to read a book about it or something. But the um, yeah, the, the thing it makes sense to me with like someone like Dylan, who's who's old and it's like, well, you know, you, you can get this money now or your your relatives can have it forever and fight over it. So, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure exactly what what drives it. But I mean. Yeah, I guess in a way forgot Bob Dylan and Paul Simon. It, it kind of makes some sense. It's like, well, mm-hmm. I can just kind of control my estate by getting this one-time cash out and then can allocate it how I see fit when I die versus like, you know, I'm not really sure what <laughs> Tommy Lee and the boys were doing. <laughs> I hate to say this like on a socialist podcast, but but some part of it is just like the amount of all that money all at once mm. is, is like a really powerful thing. And just like kind of like the liquidity of like having that many assets all at once, as opposed to like over time, it's probably really a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So, you know, maybe before we, before we circle back to a couple of questions that I had about touring still, there is, and this might be lost to a lot of listeners, but this is just something that I've noticed just kind of being, plugged in a little bit is all these there's these like and you tell me if you guys have noticed this Mm. but like Mm -hmm. i was having a conversation with a friend last night and i was talking about like being into like uh you know just growing up listening to rap for example and like Mm. in the mid 2000s like with when all the blogs were kind of popping off and like really kept you up to speed with like what was going on at wherever in the country and all the different scenes and whatever. I I felt like I was so plugged in and knew everything that was going on. But now Mm. it's like my nephew will like drop some dude's name on my lap and I've like never heard of, (laughs) heard of this person, (laughs) which is part of getting older. I know. Like like, little Alfredo sauce or some shit like that. Right, but they'll be like the biggest shit in the world. Yeah. And uh-huh. like, but but like me and none of my friends have ever heard like a song from them. You know what I mean? And then like yeah. then you like you see these things about like, you know, these like Spotify artists or like even like uh sometimes they'll t- they'll take like the music, like like elevator music or something that you'll hear. And it's like like got like massive streaming numbers. But like you'll see these artists that like their streaming numbers would suggest they have a massive fall. And then you hear about them doing like a show somewhere and like eight people show up. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. what, what has, what is it about sh- like streaming and maybe SoundCloud and all these other things that has like sort of changed, I guess what developing a following in music even looks like. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, so, uh, one one thing of it is that um, everyone has, w- w- with streaming and like personal choice, right? Like everyone can find their weird little corner of whatever genres and subgenres and SoundCloud rappers or whatever the thing is that they want to listen to. There's this amount of like specialization that's happening now that's really kind of, I mean, really cool, right? Yeah, but totally. It's just yeah, that, I'm, like, not, I'm not knocking, I don't mean to come off like I was being antagonistic toward that. No, 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 no. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that that's like, that's like one part of it. Like, I feel like you, there's just like nobody that's going to be Dylan or nobody that's going to be Springsteen, you know, that that's just kind of like can't exist anymore or something. Yeah. Um, 
And then the other part is that like those, I was thinking about this is like, what do those numbers even mean when you're looking at someone that's got like this many thousand like listeners or whatever. And, and like what, and then like, but then nobody shows up to the show. Some yeah. of what, I mean, so, some of what that is, is like, you know, Spotify and I would assume these other platforms like kind of function on an algorithm. And so a lot of people aren't like when you, when I look at the majority of our listeners, it's like, it's not people like clicking on our song and listening to it. It's people with like the radio function on it's people with like the discover weekly, you know, playlists and things like that. And so, you know, some of it's like what these platforms are like kind of curating. They're like, it's just like Instagram. They're showing, you know, like, Oh, do you like this? Oh, you do like this. Okay. Let me give you more of it. It's that same kind of, it's that same kind of thing. So right. it, it's almost like, it's almost like the algorithm is kind of like, I don't know, instead of like revealing your preferences to you, it's kind of guiding you. You know what I mean? So exactly. like for me personally, like a few things I was thinking about when you're talking time one, um, few things for me is like with plat with streaming platforms, like um, I remember Pandora was the first one. It was kind of harder for me to find music that I liked, you know, because like there was so much music. And like you were saying, Tyler, it's like you have access to the Internet. You have access to like from one focal point, I guess, like all of culture. Right. Like any niche genre that you that you're into, you can find. But it seems like there's like a overload of information and not an overload of music, I guess. Not that that's a bad thing, but like with the blogs, I don't know if y'all remember. I don't know if Tom, you remember, Tyler, y'all remember. But there was this there is still is this blog called Big Ghost Chronicles. Oh yeah, 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 and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it still exists. And it was like, like kind of talks like Ghostface. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. He talks like Ghostface. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's an amazing blog, yo. But and it's still around. But I knew like in the two thousands, like what like was going on in the music scene because of that blog. Now, even though the blog still exists, I have no idea what's going on. You know, because it's so fractured, and there are so many different communities, and that's not a bad thing. It's just like an overload of information, you know, and content, you know. That's right. Yeah. Well, I th- I think too another thing. I mean, particularly where like hip hop is concerned, and like it, and to some degree, even like like indie rock scenes too, is like I don't think that atomization is like a bad thing. Where it's like you know, this is what's going on in Nashville. This is what's going on in Austin. This is what's going on in Milwaukee. This is what's going on wherever wherever and i mean there's like individual things in all those cities that like you know gentrification all these other things that we we talk about all the time they like kind of inform like what's going on with those scenes and how clubs are ran and 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 uh, labels and this that and the third but like i think that there's something interesting about like those regional sounds but like also i don't know about about y'all tyler but do you have like and you said that y'all hadn't done like a, a ton of touring uh, so far, but like, do y'all have like a territory that y'all have staked out? Is it like mostly the Southwest, the Southeast? Like, like what, like, are y'all going like getting like offers from all over the place? Like how, how does it work out for good look specifically? Well, um, I, I think, I, so we just did like a, a big, like kind of East coast and Midwest tour and we're about to hit the West coast. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's like more accessible because we have a booking company and because we've got like a PR campaign going at the same time with Jacob and, you know, it, you kind of need those pieces. Like if you're doing everything on your own, it makes more sense to kind of stake out a little area and hit the same places because, 
um, you can only you, you you should only be playing the places you can kind of like get back to and right, and right. and and keeping things on like a smaller scale makes sense. But but yeah, we kind of we kind of r- right now we're playing pretty much everywhere in the United States. Right, right. Yeah. So there's like this thing that I I, I was talking to uh, my friend Daniel Pujol, I do another podcast with, and and uh, yeah, he toured extensively from like 2010 through like fairly recently pre-pandemic and stuff like that, and it slowed down mm-hmm. after the pandemic. But something we talked about from time to time is like the concept of like road dogging it versus. Uh-huh. Like you'll have some bands and this is, and again, this is going to sound antagonistic, but it's not intended to be that way. I'm just interested in how that works out and how it gets to be this way. But like, you'll see like a a festival bill, for example, and you'll see like five festival bills and like the same bands will kind of be on the lower card of it. Uh Like, I feel like you have some bands that like take like a more of a road dog approach and trying to like stake out like their territory and like where, they'll be going back to like you say and then other bands that like you know will just end up sort of maybe on the festival circuit like and and like maybe i had a friend that 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 helped organize bonnaroo for for many years and she would say that like you know like obviously those guarantees are a lot bigger than doing like you know like the club shows um right but that like there's there are bands that like I think we're probably I'm trying to think of how to say this without sounding like I'm shit talking. <laughs> but like <laughs> but like I'll just say I'll just say it. There's bands that like you couldn't name two of their songs, but like they were on every festival bill getting like big guarantees. Do you mm. know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like I don't wanna like again, I don't wanna sound like I'm like shitting on that because like you, you, you gotta make it how you gotta make it. But yeah. like I'm interested in like how you get funneled into like one way of touring versus another. Do you got any yeah. perspective on that? Yeah, is there some favoritism there, or like, how does that work out? Um, well, I'll, I'll just say this: I, I I only have the window of experience that I, I have, and if we're going to call ourselves a mid-tier band, well, we are we are in the very low mid-tier. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't, hey, I don't know. <laughs> Same here, brother. Same here. Uh, so I don't, you know, I don't know. It, it it's hard it's hard to say how all that stuff happens. I mean, we're just starting to kind of get added onto festivals and um but i i would imagine uh yeah i i think i'm just going to be talking out of my ass if i answer this question because i'm i'm not really sure i i definitely know what you mean though you kind of start to see the same same bands kind of over and over again but i think as like a as a mid lower tier band we you know touring is the thing that you can control right like it's the it's the you know it's getting out there and it's like putting the work in yeah there's there's other ways of like promotion where you can just like dump money at something but we don't really have that 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 luxury so like the best option for most bands and especially bands that are you know with with limited resources is just to like get out there and and play shows you know yeah Yeah. and can can i ask a question too Charles? speaking of that like being a kind of mid-sized band lower mid band but as you were saying as you characterize yourselves but like with the pandemic and going on tour, like I'm assuming if you're a bigger band, it might or bigger act, it's obviously easier to like get shows where venues are more likely, more willing to like, you know, have you come on, especially with the pandemic. Was that was there any difficult? I mean, of course there was, but can you talk a little bit about that? I guess like 
the difficulty and the challenges that uh, that y'all had to deal with during the pandemic or supposedly the pandemic being over, but we know that's like a goddamn lie. Sure, sure. I mean, well, I I I I will say the the first thing that was sort of um, the first thing that sort of happened was we um, we had a record that was like this record bummer year that we we just put out. Um, we recorded that in 2018, and we were ready to put that out in 2019, which is kind of when we started mastering the record, kind of putting all the finishing touches on it, and uh, and then you know just as soon as we found a home for the record on Keeled Scales, our, our record label, you know the pandemic happened, and so we were kind of ramping up to put it out, and then we put everything on hold, and and mm-hmm. and then we just like sat on this record for two years. Um, so that was, I mean, that was pretty that that was a pretty big effect also i mean you know everything is real herky jerky shows are getting canceled constantly mm-hmm. um you're taking on a lot of risk when you're you know most bands are running like pretty high high debt you know like they're yeah. paying for like vans and they're paying for you know like the bigger tours or like production and all they have all these costs you know but someone gets someone gets COVID and it just all shuts down and then you're just yeah. like on the hook for all that, that, that money that you're not going to, you're not going to make. Um, we actually just had five shows cancel. We were doing some support for this, um, the songwriter I really like, uh, Craig Finn, who was in the hold study. And so we were doing some support shows with him and, and, you know, his, one of the bandmates got COVID and, so they had to cancel their whole tour. I mean, we had to cancel a few dates that we were going to do with them, but they were, it was like a lot of dates that they had to cancel. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you're getting a, stimu- a stimulus package from a stimulus check from the government, right? You know what I no, mean? No, <laughs> Like as a touring band, you know what I mean? That's right. And no. We should have yeah, got in hard. those PPP loans when we had a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, that's right. We should have. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. Yeah, it's, it's, it's dark out there, man. Well, let's, let's switch gears just a little bit and, to wrap up here let's talk about let's talk about that record a little bit more so you know when i was talking to jacob he's putting us in contact uh something that kind of interested me was that you grew up in uh in south texas at, you know kind of in close proximity to the to the petrochemical That's right. i guess and oil and gas and everything else and you know obviously up here uh, I grew up in a coal mining town and, and, and all that stuff. And I'm like the only man in my family that never worked underground today, which is a source wow. of great, great shame at Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but oh, man. Maybe t- tell us a little bit about you and your upbringing and, and kind of how that informs your music. I, that's, that's kind of my way to not do this. So tell me about your process. Mm-hmm. Sure, <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, I mean, I came from a pretty small town. It's yeah, it's right in the the petrochemical, you know, lane alley down there on the Gulf Coast of Texas. Uh, the big the big chemical plant where I'm from is Dow Chemical. Um, and they do you know plastics and a lot of different kind of petroleum products. And uh, I heard I heard one time, I, and not to cut you off, but just to connect it back to something personally. I, I, I wrote this thing about Joe Manchin in West Virginia and when they had the, the, the DuPont chemical spill, which I guess is, you know, uh, kind of similar to Dow, but like uh-huh. there every, did you know, every person in the United States has a DuPont chemical called C8 in them right now, just from that one spill. Just oh, lying no. dormant. Yeah. Like 98% of America has like some oh. degree of C8 in them. <laughs> yeah. 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 
Anyway. And, and but they're not like on the hook for that, huh? They're not paying for any, uh, <laughs> any kind of no, like in health, fact, Joe, health problems. When, when when they were going to be held to account, Joe Manchin filed an amicus brief and and got them off the hook. So, <laughs> oh yeah. my god, man, yeah. And and that rough. and that guy is the one that's uh, that's informing climate policy going forward. So, <laughs> yeah, it's his climate bill, right? If you yeah, if you were curious, just how fucked we are. <laughs> <laughs> the guy who has poisoned who helped poison the country, indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, yeah, I will say where, where I'm from has some of like the, the county has these like super high um, cancer rates. And you also, you know, they're always burning something off in the middle of the night. It's always like there's a flare going and you're like, it, it, and, it, you know, some things they have to burn off or whatever, but you're always kind of, you're always kind of wondering, it's like, well, is, are they being sneaky right now? Or are they just right. betting that no, like no one's around? <laughs> like, um, but, but yeah, that was, that was a big part of my upbringing. I'm also, um, son of a son of a preacher in like a very small um conservative religion and and so those are those are two 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 kind of like big parts of my childhood and yeah there's a lot of small town small town texas in this in this record and um i don't know well hmm. next time we have you on we'll have to dive into that a little bit more because that's that's us too that's 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 our second favorite topic after all the meandering nonsense i just put you there <laughs> small town religion and all that kind of thing but yeah yeah but anyway man i appreciate you so much for for making yeah. a little time for us and no and, thanks and thanks uh, for... tell everybody where they can can find jack can find the record at and all that yeah um so i guess if you want to keep up with the band uh following us at uh at goodlooksband.com uh, that's also our instagram twitter uh, is good looks band. Um, you can, can find the record at our, uh, at, at killedscales.com. It's like a snakes scales, K E E L E D. Um, but yeah, I just, I really appreciate you, you having us on and having me on. And, um, I've been, we've been listening to y'all show a lot in the, in the van on tour. It's like the only <laughs> thing, it's oh, the yeah. only thing the guys can, can, can agree on, we, you know, Typically, it's me picking like I've been listening to Cocaine and Rhinestones a lot, and the guys sort of revolted on that, and and so so this has been this has been the setting, um, so it was really cool. And I I always catch like you were just saying about the religious stuff. I always catch y'all's like kind of I kind of catch your religious references every now and then. I'm like, oh, this guy knows what's up. <laughs> yeah, you know, you can, some, people uh, yeah. that uh, that speak that language can kind of pick it up still even years and years later. So. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll jump into that a little bit more. We'll have you back all the time. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks. Thank you so much for having me.